Welcome to Oxford Adult ESL Conversations, hosted by Jamie Adelson Goldstein, co-author of the Oxford Picture Dictionary and series director of the new Step Forward 2nd Edition. In this episode, Jamie is joined by Dr. Kathy Harris. Dr. Harris teaches teacher education courses in the Department of Applied Linguistics at Portland State University and is a member of the Literacy, Language, and Technology Research Group. Dr. Harris conducts trainings and creates professional development materials for the adult ESL teachers in national projects, including ELLU and ESL Pro and also teaches adult ESL, including digital literacy and ESL to adult learners with limited or interrupted formal education. Let's join them now. Kathy, I'm so happy to welcome you to Oxford Adult ESL Conversations, and I'm really looking forward to our time talking about digital literacy. Thanks, Jamie. I'm really glad to be here. How about if we just start off with the idea that Integrating technology and language instruction is not new. Would you agree with that? <laughs> yeah, I would agree with that. <laughs> <laughs> and I looked it up just to see, you know, when call computer assisted language learning started. And I see that it, it, the intersection for TESOL is officially identified as starting in 1984, which is kind of interesting, mm-hmm. but we won't go there. But what, it, what really interests me is that it seems, and, and maybe I'm not right about this. You tell me that in the last five years or so, the focus has really shifted from teacher using technology to learners using technology. You know, what I think is that in the early days, in the 80s, we were really thinking about how can we make classrooms more engaging? And everybody was excited about technology and how technology would help us be less teacher fronted. We could use polling technology to have student voices be more prominent um, and use technology in that way to make classrooms more engaging. But I think lately, I think you're right. I think lately what's happening is that teacher, ESL teachers, English language teachers, we really pay attention to what our students need to be able to do in the world. And that's where the switch is happening, I think, is because we are seeing, wow, our students need to be able to do all these things in the world that involve technology. So we had better start doing things in the classroom that help them do those things, whether that is continuing with their education or communicating with their employer or participating in their community action, or just being involved in their community, or communicating with their children's school. All of these things are things our students need to do. And I think that's really where the shift is happening, because teachers, English language teachers, are very attuned to what their students need to be able to do. And I think that's the shift that you're seeing. And I think it's, I think you're right. That is a shift. When we look at what those things are that learners need to be able to do, they fall somewhat into three areas, I think. And I'm, of course, I'm quoting your work, but it seems to me that it falls into digital skills and digital literacy, which includes digital skills and the problem solving in technology-rich environments. Can you talk a little bit about those areas and maybe, you know, is there a Venn diagram that those work in with English language acquisition? I think I'd frame that a little differently. I'm not sure I see it in a Venn diagram so much as in circles within circles. And let me see if I can explain it a little bit. Digital literacy includes foundational skills like how do I use a touchscreen? How do I open a file? How do I attach something to an email, et cetera? But it also is how do we use technology to create and communicate information? How do we find and evaluate information in a variety of sort online sources? And how do we solve problems in, in digital environments? All of that, if you think about that, English language, both oral and written, are in every aspect of it. 
and the ability to use the tools to access the internet and to use the tools, whatever kind of tool it is, whether it's a computer, whether it's a tablet, whether it's a smartphone or whatever it is the new devices are going to be, we have to do all of those things to do all of the other things. So I guess I would say I would see circles within circles within circles. They are all mixed together in important ways. So highly, highly integrated, are you saying? They that, in other words, highly integrated. What I think if I were processing it, so I'm, I'm hearing you say that the reading and the writing is very integral to being able to access the information. I think what we're doing right now is a great example, how increasingly information is being transmitted and received both directions through oral modalities. It's one of the things that technology allows for. So people get a lot of information through things like podcasts these days. That So listening comprehension and skills involved in listening comprehension are really important. But also one of the things in digital literacy we pay attention to is how can we help our students have their voice? And they can hmm. record podcasts. They can record audio files that they attach to their blogs online. They can have a voice in their communities through technology. So it's listening, speaking, reading, writing, grammar, vocabulary, and all the language skills that we work on as English language teachers. And I know that that's connected to the college and career readiness standards with the standard on integrating media and technology. And I know you've done a lot of work with digital stories, which would certainly cover that as well. Well, I definitely see digital literacies are woven throughout the career and college readiness standards and the ELP standards. And I was thinking a little bit about that. Both in reading and listening, there is the need to find and evaluate information in digital literacy. That's an aspect of digital literacy, right? And that mm -hmm. is throughout those standards. Um, so determining meaning, uh, determining author's point of view and purpose, that aligns exactly with what digital literacy is in terms of finding and evaluate information. And I think the focus in the standards on diverse media and formats, as an English language teacher, I think about that from a comprehension point of view. So we use, just like you and I were just saying, how we use digital technologies in listening and our language skills in listening and reading. And then, but we're also using them for producing in speaking and writing in ways that focus on diverse media and formats. But I would add that something we don't often talk about, but what is increasingly part of what we do is collaborating on using digital tools. Collaboration, mm. both in written and oral form, is part of everyday life and is going to be increasingly a part of everyday life. That's in the standards and that's also part of digital literacy, using technology, both oral and written formats for collaborating, which I think is fascinating. As we go into the future, that's one of the things as language educators we really need to think about carefully. I think that it's an exciting aspect of it. It really connects to the autonomy as well, because the learners, learners are collaborating and you have in one of your pieces, you have a suggestion that learners might collaborate in the classroom. I've been promoting using Google drive as a way for learners to, to collaborate on writing. And those are absolutely career and college ready skills. They're both for looking at going on in education as well as career skills. Those are absolutely required. Writing is done collaboratively. It is rarely an individual task. And things like Google, Do Google Docs and are part of how that works in the, envir in the environment outside of our classrooms. So I think it's really important we help students learn how to do that. And isn't it a wonderful opportunity to have that time to hit two different important skill areas? For me, that's what I find so exciting is that the students, I think, are highly motivated to learn a digital skill. And then we layer on the digital literacy that goes along with that skill, but they're still really 
also learning very important English language uh, skills as well, obviously with, you know, good writing techniques and right. using the tools too. That's one of the things that I think is so terrific is teaching them how to access what they need to write more effectively and more accurately. Right. Absolutely. So we get two furs, three furs, four furs. And yes. because it's technology, <laughs> people find it engaging. I would say people find it also frightening, but that's part of the deal. We get the engaging and then we work together to get over the frightening part. If that could be true in so many other areas of our lives. Right. (laughs) (laughs) You know, the other thing that I wanted to check in with you about is the research, because research is a very big part of both the College of Career Readiness Standards and the English Language Proficiency Standards. What would be the role and how could we help learners with research, both from a digital skills and a digital literacy standpoint? Where I approach the thinking about that is really what the CCR, CCR standards say is, Students need the ability to gather relevant information from multiple sources and address the credibility of the information, right? I mean, that's the basics yeah, of using that's research. the crux, that's of, the crux it. of it. Well, digital liter- there's an aspect of digital literacy called finding and evaluate information. These are basically the same thing, right? Finding and evaluating mm-hmm. information. So one of the things that I encourage teachers to do, and, and this is in some of the materials, the ESL Pro materials that, that we worked on, one of the ways I encourage people to start integrating digital literacy into their ESL instruction, English language instruction, is I encourage them to pick one kind of task and to do that task in every unit. So it becomes familiar. So you can leverage routine. Students know what to expect. The teachers know what to expect. You get better at it over time. And one of those activities that people can do that I think is really helpful is integrating a search activity. And so the idea that you start really small, but then each of the topics that you do or each of the, each of the lessons or units that a teacher has, there is a small search activity embedded as part of that that uses the same language you're already doing in the lesson or the same information that you're already doing in the lesson, the same grammar points, the same vocabulary. But now you're saying, okay, we'll use that same information to do a search. And then you do a search. Mm. And then the next time in another topic or another unit, you're doing a different search that maybe has an additional element. And so in the ESL Pro online course, there's a whole course on how do you teach searching? an online search. Mm, that's so useful. Right. So that is, we'll put, we'll put the link to the, to the ESL pro materials somewhere near the podcast so that, that uh, listeners can pick that up. I think it's really helpful to, to do it throughout and every unit has a search and then it gets stronger and better and people get better and better at it. They get over the hump of the frightening stuff and then they get to get to the information stuff, which is what does this information say? How do I evaluate its credibility? How do I know what information I can use? So that's, mm. I think, something that happens well over time that both teachers and students get better at with practice, starting small, baby steps. That's such a good lesson for us anytime we're trying to incorporate something new. Yeah, baby steps is great. So I'd like to check in with you because you've given us the information about the searching, but let's say that I am, I'm one of the frightened few <laughs> and, and I'm just starting to integrate digital skills and digital literacy. Is there something that I can do before the search that will prepare me and my learners for this type of focus in my lessons? Speaking to you as someone just starting off on integrating digital literacy into your classes, I would say not to start with searches. I Mm, would say take a smaller step. Take something that you yourself can feel comfortable with. And where I encourage people to start is either with a Google form or a presentation. 
So these are things that are language rich because that leverages what we already know, right? As teachers, we know how to teach language. That's our, I think Patsy talked about it well in her podcast with you. That's our superpower. We know how to scaffold language learning. To take something like a Google form or making a presentation as the digital skill to integrate and pick something like that, that te a teacher that you could know really well how to do. And, and the idea is the same. Every lesson or every unit, you would make a Google form, which is very easy. You can learn to do it in five minutes. Make a Google form that your students fill out that uses the same language that you're already using in your lesson. And you do a form for every lesson or every unit. The teacher gets better at it. The students get better at it. They can become more complex. Um, at the end, the students might even learn how to make Google Forms because they're very, it's a very useful digital skill. And along with that comes overcoming the fear of how do I use this device? How do I get online? Because it starts very, very small. So that's what I advocate for new teacher, teachers new to, to integrating digital literacy is to take something like that. What I've done with literacy level learners is work with presentations where in every unit, my students do a vocabulary presentation. Now, the literacy learners, what they do is they just make a three slide presentation where they have the word, they have their L1 or first language translation, and then they have an image and they get better and better at making presentations because they're doing it multiple times. It works really well and students feel really good about being able to show their presentation to the class. And you could certainly expand on that, right? So that higher level learners would just add more slides for the different meanings, different ways of knowing a Absolutely. word. Absolutely. So for higher level students, they could add all the different kinds of things that we would have them do in, say, flashcard activities. So they could have the word. They could have the first language translation. They might have a sentence that uses it. They might have the parts of speech. They could also put a classic dictionary definition. So all the different things that we want them to do. Absolutely. This would work really well in a multi-level class. Students could make the presentation at their level. What about collaboration? So I, I think this could be beautiful to sort of infuse collaboration into this. I would start first with students collaborating on a presentation. So a higher level student and a lower level student would work on it together because in the zone of proximal development, if we're learning in a Vygotskyan way, students can do together in a collaborative group things that more than they can do on their own. So if they first work on a presentation together where the lower level student is picking the image and putting the image in and the higher level student is figuring out the part of speech in an example sentence, then having done that, they both will be capable of going off or more capable of going off and doing it on their own. So I think that would be a great way to use collaboration in a multi-level class, having both technology and having the ability to work together. So collaboration and technology, but they're collaborating digitally. Because they're both working on the same Oh, I think that's so exciting. I'm telling you, I'm going to go out and find a classroom. <laughs> I know. Isn't it great? I just love it. <laughs> and recently I did something called a paper slideshow. That's where the, it's not PowerPoint, but it's students making their slides on paper, but then recording them on their phones. That is so, so cool. it's, so that's another way. If you don't have access to PowerPoint in your classroom, you can do something similar with only a few cell phones in the class. Yeah, that's awesome. I really have enjoyed doing that. That That's something that Roxana Hurtado from uh, Miami-Dade taught me to do. Shifting gears just a little bit, the PIAC report really calls out the need for problem-solving in technology-rich environments. And I know that that's really at the heart of why we're doing this, because as you mentioned, 
those technology-rich environments aren't just in the workplace and academic settings, but they're in the community, they're in um, parenting, they're, they're in every aspect of our lives at this point. But I get really concerned about the access our learners have to the technology that would help them address those skills in technology-rich environments. What if, what if they don't have access? Um, what solutions have you seen programs and instructors develop to work around that? There's a couple of different things is what the research is showing us, and this comes from the Pew Charitable Trust, is that cell phone ownership is very, very high. The problem is people who only have access to the internet through cell phones have a super disadvantage in all of the things that we're talking about in digital literacy acquisition. But nevertheless, chances are good that the students have a smartphone access. So what programs need to do is to help students find access to robust Wi-Fi, whether that be at the coffee shops, at the library, which is the library is a great source for robust Wi-Fi. And in our programs, we need robust wireless in our programs. I talk about when we think about access, which is what you're talking about. And that is that we want to be able to use in our classes things that don't depend on a particular type of device. So to use things that are device independent. So things that like Google Forms or presentations, that can be done on a phone, a tablet, or a computer. And that way we remove the need to have access to a particular device and students can do it wherever they need. The other thing is more advocacy, and that is the sense that we can help our students find inexpensive wireless or inexpensive broadband access. The government put together a website called everyoneon.org where people can find inexpensive broadband access in their community. And that really is what we need. Everybody needs to have broadband access in their home, in the places of that they live. And that's one way to do it. An example is $10 a month for 10 gigs. Because we want to get past this idea that people have cell phone only access to the internet, which means that they have interrupted service. They often go over their data caps in which it's very expensive. That becomes very expensive and they lose service because of cost. An advocacy piece to all of this is telling our learners about ways to get inexpensive broadband access so that their kids can do their homework on the internet and not on their telephone using cell phone service. And what a great way to use complex text, reading the Everyone Up website. Everyone on, yeah. and mm-hmm. everyone on sorry. <laughs> Maybe they all get up when they're on. <laughs> That's right. That's definite complex text. I mean, being able to go through the small print on those things is definite yes. complex text. And, and really just understanding their data plans. I mean, there's so, there's so much in this process that is so rich for the learners and, and relevant. I guess, again, you know, the, the point of relevance and adult learning it can't be struck. And this enough. is an example, as you're saying, not just complex text, but authentic materials, right? These mm-hmm. are perfect examples yes. of authentic materials that are also complex text that are part of their relevant and they're authentic for our students. And that's what digital literacy is about. It's about what is it our students need to be able to do to do the things they need and want to do. Because today, in today's world, many of those things, if not most of those things, must occur in a digital environment. Isn't that true? And and what a strong sense of disability we have when everything shuts oh. down. When my my internet isn't on, I feel like I've lost connection with with my work life, with my community life. It's very pervasive. So true. It's so true. Yeah. We have touched on your idea for the vocabulary for beginning literacy and beginning ESL, but I'm wondering, in addition to that approach, I've certainly have felt a little pushback when I've gone into beginning level classes or classes where 
learners have very limited literacy skills in their first language, and teachers are feeling maybe a little loath to approach digital literacy because they feel that they should be focusing on print literacy first. Do you have any feelings about that? Oh, I've got quite strong feelings about that. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I kind of hoped you had. (laughs) Well, first of all, thank you for asking that question, because working with literacy learners with limited or interrupted formal education is one of the things that I like to do the most. And I think digital literacy and technology in general has the most to offer. I would say, first of all, that technology integration and digital literacy integration is great for learners with limited literacy. You just think about how much the internet is based on image of how many of the devices that we use have a touch screen. It's almost liberating to literacy learners because they don't have Mm. to go through the medium of text and print to get to meaning. So first of all, what I tell teachers I work with uh, on this topic is don't wait to bring digital literacy and technology into the classroom. Absolutely don't wait. It's, it's a bridge for students. It will help them while they're learning English literacy. The second thing that I think is really a key, and this is key to lots of things in low-level English as a second language, and that is routine. If you establish a classroom routine, for example, stations, and one of the stations is using technology, whether that be phones or laptops or whatever it is, or devices in the classroom, and students know that part of the stations that they will work through is uh, using that technology, and they learn how to do it. And then they can be autonomous with it. They can do it on their own. Now, when I work with literacy learners, one of the things that I do is in my station with technology is I link to the ESL literacy readers. And anybody who doesn't know that resource, that's that's a really great resource. They were produced at Bow Valley College in Calgary, Canada, and they are a whole bunch of online literacy readers for our literacy learners in particular, and they're online Mm. and they have audio. So the learner clicks on each page, sees the picture, sees the text, hears the audio. So it's multimodal and they can do it themselves because it's a link and you can click. So it is great literacy support. And then you can use that online book as the source of all kinds of language activities, oral and written language activities. So I would say that for lower level literacy learners, Go immediately to technology. Oh, what a wonderful statement. (laughs) I think I'll make a bump. There you go. I'll I'll put it on my car too. I really am loath to end the conversation because I'm really enjoying it, but I I think we have to close. I would like for you to, if you don't mind, if there's one thing that you could have listeners take away from our conversation, what would that be? The one thing that I would say, I think, as a take, a listener takeaway is that Technology is always changing. It's frequent, right? That you log on to something and and the buttons are all in different places. So what that means is that we are all learners with technology and we always will be because it's a changing landscape all the time. And what that means for us as language teachers is that we have the freedom to step off the stage and not be the sage on the stage, but the guide on the side. We don't have to be the one who knows. In fact, we can't be the one who knows when it comes to technology. It enables us, it pushes us, it it frees us to be collaborative learners along with our students. And I think that's powerful. I think having confidence that we don't be, we aren't the ones who know all the time. In fact, we can't be, we won't be. The different students in our classes are going to know different things. And the teacher, we will know different things that collaboratively, we can figure the technology out. So we can't be the one who knows. So that is, I think, 
the best thing I could tell someone is we're all learners with technology and embrace that. I certainly do. (laughs) (laughs) Recently, I did a workshop and I had a digital tool planned. I was going to use Plickers, which is really not about teaching students anything. They hold up a card and my cell phone reads it. But what it does allow us to do is see the the data based on what the the card mm-hmm. says. So it's it's a surveying tool basically. But the, the the data populates on the screen behind us, and we can have a lot of conversations. And it failed. Mm-hmm. It failed miserably because it just wasn't working. So I had a plan B. I had my answer cards, you know, regular colorful little A B C D answer cards mm-hmm. that they could use so that we could see that. And it didn't go on the screen and it wasn't fancy, but it was a, it was, mm-hmm. it worked. What do you think about always having a plan B or a low tech, no tech plan? Well, you know, I think it's a good idea because one of the things about technology that I would agree with you absolutely is it fails about half the time. <laughs> <laughs> this idea that we're all learners. Is that teachers, and and if teachers can embrace that, this idea that it's not going to always go the way you expect it to go, and what you do about that models what your students are going to do about that. So you muddle through, okay, is it going to work? You go muddle through and kind of model the different things that you might do to solve the problem. Then if it's not solvable, then okay, how can we accomplish the same goal using non-technology means? And then you bring in plan B. So I that's one of the things that teachers talk about is why they don't want to use technology is because it does fail so much of the time. I agree with you, Jamie. You have to have a plan B, um, a way to accomplish your objectives using non-technology means, but using the failure of technology as a way to model what you do when technology fails because it does so much of the time. Oh, that's nice. Very mm-hmm. metacognitive. Yeah, because that's part of digital yeah. literacy is dealing with the fact that it doesn't always work. And as we've been talking Has anything else occurred to you or given you an aha moment or one more thing you want to say before we say au revoir? Well, the only thing I guess I'd say is how much I enjoy talking with you. And what that reminds me of is how important it is for teachers to talk to each other about the challenges that they face and the joys that they experience as language teachers. Teachers talking to each other on a regular basis is one of the things that I think is gold in the language education business. We need to talk to each other about the things going on in our classrooms and in our programs. And that's, I guess, another sort of aha moment that that talking with you and my enjoyment in our conversation has reminded me. We need to talk to each other, and that needs to be part of our professional lives. And in keeping with our topic, you and I are having this conversation online. Indeed. So there is no, there are no boundaries for us to be having these conversations. You know, I work at night, you work in the daytime. We can zoom. There are so many options available to us for making these connections that it's a very exciting exciting time. time. Yeah. These technologies enable us to work together in ways we haven't been able to before. Well, thank you so much, Kathy, for being a part of Oxford Adult ESL Conversations. And it's been a pleasure. I've enjoyed it. Thanks so much, Jamie. We love what you do and want to support you in every step of the way. For more useful resources to support your teaching, including sample lessons from Step Forward Second Edition and the Oxford Picture Dictionary, visit us at oup.com slash ELT slash love adult ESL. That's OUP slash ELT slash love adult ESL. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Oxford Adult ESL Conversations.